Welcome to Watermark's Church Leadership Podcast, a conversation with church leaders for church leaders. I'm your host, John McGee. Thanks so much for joining us today. Well, hey, friends, welcome back. Uh, it's Dave Bruscus and I in the studio today. We're continuing our series on what you and I, Dave, did not learn in seminary. And um, I feel like we talked a really long time, <laughs> last yeah. one. And I still, I don't know about you, but I still had things that I wanted to say uh, about that topic. Most of them, most of them were mistakes that I had made that I'd written down. I just didn't have time to share them. But I, I did think of a couple. If you want to jump in uh, afterwards, you can. We can jump into the next one. But we talked about funerals and we talked about uh, weddings. And one of the things I thought about around, around funerals is if you, you know, are with someone uh, in that moment when someone dies and you're kind of ministering to the family just to mark that date. And then when the first holiday rolls around, holiday season, Thanksgiving, Christmas, just to let them know, hey, you're thinking about praying for them. It's the first time. And then on the anniversary of that date, you know, you can, uh, Blake Holmes, one of of our pastors does that really, really well. He's just a seasoned pro in this. And um, not not all dates are created equal, uh, which is something, you know, every leader should know. And uh, there's just something uh, really, really uh, thoughtful about sending, you know, an email, a text, a, a, a note on that day. There's actually uh, someone that uh, will text or actually uh, emails me on behalf of or for the whole uh, family on Pam's side. Her dad died a few years ago, just every year on on that date, and just says, "Hey, these are the things I remember uh, about your dad," and it's really, really, really kind. And then I, again, I wanted to share so many, so many stories of uh, of just missteps, but uh, on a positive note for. You know, for weddings, I, one of the things I'm doing these days is inviting mom and dad down. So at the moment when you ask who's going to give this woman to be this man's uh, wife, uh, you know, dad's normally in the middle. And I'll say, OK, dad, let's move to the side and invite both mom and dad up if there's not crazy drama, if it's even appropriate. Uh, and just tell them it's, it's a chance to instruct them and the people, hey, listen, that was the last moment you're ever going to stand between this couple, now you're on the side, you're cheering them on, praying for them, serving them. So I'm going to give you a few minutes to do that. And it just slows things down. It gives mom and dad uh, on both sides, you know, a chance just to look them in the eye, tell them they love them, pray for them. And uh, experience, you know, now that I've been on the other side of it, parents don't give as much credit at weddings. I know it's not so about true, them, right? but th- this thing does not happen without the parents, you know? And uh, so it's a chance just to give them a moment. And, uh, but there all these, all those things you will learn. Um, you will have your own ways of doing them. Ask others. I can't, I just can't tell uh, you enough the value of just bring a notebook, asking another, you know, seasoned either pastor or follower of Jesus or leader, hey, how do you handle X and just taking notes. So yes, and I want to add, there's so many questions or so many stories, Dave, you have that I would love. To. <laughs> so if you, see, if you there. see, if you see Dave at CLC, yeah. uh, I'll give you a prompt. Ask him about not one, but two of his cars being burned as a pastor and Dave, not at a wedding though <laughs> not, not, not at a wedding Dave's got a lot of stories and a lot of miles on the road and so okay brother today we're going to talk about just kind of organizational leadership we talked about pastoring last time just some of the things we didn't learn in, in seminary and yet and we're so grateful for seminary but that was one of the things that was a little bit lacking and then this other one here that you and I were talking about is just kind of this whole art of organizational leadership and Again, a seminary, you can only go there so many, you know, sure. days, months, years. Uh, you probably should tack an MBA onto, you know, <laughs> yeah, but you at go. some point we'd be in school for 30 years. And yeah. so you got to go figure it out. But that's one of the things I felt like I had to figure out. Did you feel that just yeah, kind of organizationally? Not, absolutely. I would say if you were to create categories of deficiencies, that was probably my biggest one. I didn't realize the organizational or institutional dynamics that go into pastoring well. Yeah. And, and the idea, the simple idea is 
we want to give people structure so that as we are inviting them into a deeper relationship with God, there's pathways to get there. There are things that are going on. So there's momentum created so that we serve people well. I think sometimes we can look at it from such a business oriented idea and we recognize, Hey, we're not, we're not a for-profit business, That's right. right. but it is important because it's really about serving people well and having an organization that's well-led, well-organized, thoughtful, meaningful, purposeful, intentional. Yeah helps so much in moving people along the path of discipleship. I love it. Yeah. So you've got, you're going to have to come up with some type of framework about what it is that you actually do as a leader. And so if you, you know, you could Google it and look at different, different models. And I actually reread uh, this morning. It's, it's an article I come back to uh, often from Harvard Business Review, from, like from the nineties called what do leaders really do? Like, what do you, what do you really do? You know, what's the difference between management and leadership and things like that. And so they've got a, you know, they've got a framework, but here's this is generally how it's going to go. Uh, if you if you read 10 books, it'll kind of be condensed down to something that looks like this. Uh, a leader is going to set a vision. They're going to say, here is here is where where we are going. And this is what it, you know, it could look like in the future. And then second is you're going to get alignment. You're going to make sure everyone understands that. And then you're going to put the right people on it. If you don't have enough people or the right people to kind of focus in on that task, that's that's really your next your next goal. Number three is going to be the the inner energizing uh, of the people and the executing of the plan. And so you're going to have to keep reminding people why we're doing this. You're going to have to make, you know, the, the adage is you make here look terrible and there look great. And then you're just talking about actually doing the thing that you're trying to, to pull off. And then number four, you create some type of accountability. You know, are we doing the things we said we were going to do? Is it going as fast or as excellent as we wanted to? Uh, and then lastly, you know, uh, you just give feedback and you're also open to it. So you want to make sure that you're encouraging people as they're doing the thing that, that they should be doing and they're doing it well and they're surprising you. Uh, and you also want to give kind of constructive feedback uh, if they're not. You say that actually is not what we're uh, looking for. That's not what we talked about or I think we could do better. Uh, and then also having the humility to go, you know what, my plan might not have been as good as I thought it was. Uh, I'm listening to other people say, you know, what if we did this? And I, I need to have the humility to do that. So some iteration of that. But I, as I think about what I learned in seminary, I went, I had a class. I do remember this class. And we talked about vision, mission, values, all those kinds of things. And so I'm sure it was more than this, but the part I remember is like a, a bulk of the semester was just that, you know, and we, yeah. we'd craft these statements. And those are really important. That really is part of step one. And if it's a five-step process, that's all I was I was taught. It was as <laughs> there, huh? it was as if yeah. if you could just get this down yeah. in a Word document, you know, automagically this would all take care of itself. And it's an important step, but it's just such the beginning. And I, I just didn't I didn't really know that until I, you know, I, I came in. And I think the other thing I would just add to this, and I'd love your thoughts, Dave, is just you know, how to build something. And because I didn't uh, have any training in that, I, th I think I learned a lot from books. And so I, I, I read, you know, people who built organizations. I, I, I read frameworks of those who built, you know, and enduring organizations or turn them around. That's where like, you know, we've talked about Jim Collins was so helpful to me. I could, you know, I could rattle off all of those categories was really helpful to me. And just listening to uh, you know, back then it was literally, literally, it was books on tape or CDs. Uh, if, you know, if anyone even knows what those look like anymore, uh, just stories of guys who built things or women who had built things or pe groups of people who said, this is a problem. We're not going to stand for it. We're going to do something. And all that they learned, the mistakes that was really, really helpful uh, for me. And I felt like I was able to kind of glean and translate their learnings into, uh, into my environments. But 
it's been fun to learn, but I think, I don't know about you, but I was at a really big deficit coming out of seminary. Did you feel that way? Yeah, I did. I, and my, my, my experience was a little unique in that I had a business degree, had an accounting degree, so I'd taken management classes. Uh, I had uh, several years of experience in public accounting where I was an auditor. So I'd get to go and actually shoot, look at look at shoot buildings. me. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I would get to see businesses and how they were structured. And so, even with that background, I walked in just not understanding the uniqueness and intricacies of what the church was as an institution. Because I think the interesting dynamic that makes it different from a lot of businesses is the spiritual dynamic. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's a spiritual yeah. gathering. People are. Uh, it isn't a consumeristic business. There's relationships involved. People have differing degrees of investment and ownership and what you're doing. And it's just, it's complicated. Yeah. And I didn't, I think I naively thought if I just stand in the pulpit every week, faithfully preach the Bible, which is the most important thing I think we do as, as, as you know, lead pastors, everything would just fall into place. And, and it doesn't work quite like that. It's a little <laughs> bit more difficult than that scenario. And I just hadn't thought through all the different categories that go into leading an organizational in, in a way that's not only honoring to God, but it, it serves people well. That's right. That's right. It, it matters. It's not it ancillary. Does. It actually is high stakes, but it is, I love Dave that you said it, but that it is the most important thing. It is a spiritual endeavor. And Adam Tarno, who led uh, this podcast, you know, with, uh, with me probably the first, for the first half, um, he just released an article and, uh, he talked about kind of his three waves of leadership as he understood leadership in these three different ways. First, he understood it as, you know, you have to be gifted to lead. Second, then he, he realized, no, you just need skills. Anyone can learn leadership. And, and now he said, you know where I am now as a people and leaders need a heart and that's where the best leaders are. And so, you know, that's a generic, you know, both secular and church world word, but we would say that you need some spiritual depth to you. You need to have a well that you can draw from as you lead, as you lay out a vision. You don't, uh, you want it to align with the word of God, not just, a, you know, a clever, a clever idea. So a really good, I, I think the second one, Dave, you and I talked about was just, you know, uh, not just kind of organizational leadership, vision, those types of things, but actually like managing and leading a staff. Yes. And, uh, you know, we were at a yeah. lunch a couple weeks ago and a, a young leader ask you, you know, so what do you, what, what do you do? And, uh, you just rattled off some things really quick. I don't know if you can remember them, yeah. uh, but they were really helpful then. Do you remember what you said? I do. Uh, in that, I yeah. do. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a very simple person. And so I think as I share this, everybody's going to think that's obvious. Of course, that's right. You know, and it, can you give us more? Because that's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty basic, but you know, I, I think leading people, whether that's a staff you're a multiple staff church leader, or sometimes in some structures you have volunteers that almost function as staffs, mm -hmm. people that need to be led, directed, all that. So I think there's really three major components. One is direction, this idea of, hey, we're going somewhere. We have something that we're working together towards. This isn't just you doing your thing, me doing my thing, and whenever we interact, we interact. It's we're doing things together. So defining, yeah. here's where we're headed, here's where we're going. That's, that's, that's step one. Do, yeah. do people know not only what their role is, on the team, but where the team is headed. Like, where yeah. are we going here? So directional leadership. And then I think the second part of it is so critically important. That's developing people well. Knowing that people never come ready-made for the roles that they're called to. And sometimes that can be character. You know, hey, to, to, to be in this role, we're going to have to develop a little bit more patience. We're going to have to develop a little bit more thick skin because mm -hmm. there's going to be a lot of criticism mm -hmm. coming. Or mm -hmm. sometimes it's skill set. It's learning how to communicate well. It's learning how to listen well, as we talked about last time. And then the third component that I think is really important, and that is just caring well for people. Mm. 
letting them know that I care about you holistically. I care about not just the job you do here with me that we share together, but I care about your family. I care about, I care deeply about your spiritual life because you, as we've already established, it's a spiritual work and, and you can't, it's enmeshed. It's, it's, it's interconnected. You can't disengage spiritually from the work you're doing. And so you really want to, you want to care for a person's soul that you're working with and you want to make sure they're doing okay. And it is, it's a unique role. It's, it's not, um, you take it home with you and you, and you, you pick it up before you come in in the morning. And so if there's problems at home or there's financial issues in life or even health issues, it, 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 it affects the way you're able to work together. So I think, I think a good leader does all those things. Everybody in the team knows this is my role. This is what, and this is how I contribute to what we're doing. And here's what we're doing together. Uh, I'm being developed, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm learning skills and I'm, I'm growing in my ability to serve and lead well. And man, this leader loves me and cares for me. We may not agree on everything, but I know at the end of the day, this leader cares deeply for me and, and wants good for me and my relationship with God and wants good for those I love. Yeah. And those are three, if you want to write those three down, you know, vision or direction, I use both words there. You know, two would be development you know, in some, some capacity feedback, um, whatever, that, whatever that is. And then three is care. And um, all three of those, and, and you're probably going to be better at, at one of those, and you're going to be sure. deficient in the other. And so you need to make sure there's some mechanism, you know, yeah. on your team. If you're not good at one of those, that's okay. You could probably find someone else who could lean into that and help you think through that. But they are still your responsibility. And I do think it was interesting. I was just at lunch with uh, John Cox. He's our executive pastor. And we were talking about someone on the staff. And I said, what makes them them like what makes them tick what's their secret sauce and he said your third one you know and i and as i we talked about it i agreed he said you know this person cares deeply about their team and so their team as a result will take bullets for this this guy all day long they'll they'll absolutely bring uh, their best but they they are just joyful as they do what they do because they feel really, really cared for. Now, he can do those other two, and I know he does those other two, but that really was his X factor, uh, was his love for, you know, for others and for those that he that he led. And so don't discount that. Uh, no. it's, not, it's not just about firing off vision statements or uh, you could do this better. There's a, yeah. there's a care component that will bring about. Uh, the it's, bu- it's, it's interesting bu- how that idea has gained uh, so much validation, John, in the, in the secular world, hmm. right? You, you pick up a... When you and I were coming through seminary, probably about the same time, you know, things that were written that we read about organizational leadership and what a leader was, was a little bit different than what we see today. But I think as more studies are being done, there's a greater emphasis than ever on the character of a leader, a leader who really cares for people holistically, a leader who, you know, it seems to be at the forefront of what everybody's looking for, even in a secular construct. So I, I think it's really, really important That's that good. we do that. Let me ask you a question. So uh, part of this, you know, leading others, teams, those types of things, there's also a component about kind of bringing the next generation along. Yeah. And I remember being like yelled at that that was like a really important thing, you know, you should do. I don't ever remember being told how to <laughs> yeah, uh, right. do that, how to even identify those. It's just like, like somehow, you know, like birds know to fly south for the winter. Like somehow I was supposed to know exactly how to do that. So a, a little tongue in cheek, but what, what have you learned just about that, about bringing kind of the next generation uh, along? Not, not those that work, you know, so much, they're, they're high capacity, plug and play, ready to go. But these, these people that you're developing for the long game, for the for the good of the organization or for the church? What, what have you learned about that? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things I've learned. One is if you are the point leader in the ministry, it's really your job to make sure it happens. Yeah. You, you can't delegate that. Now, doesn't mean you can't involve others in doing it. It doesn't even mean that you have to have the skill set that drives it, but you have to be the one that's thinking generationally or multiple generations or, or 
or sadly, the organization atrophies with the next generation. Uh, it's it's a critically important step. So you you know, most of us don't think long term enough. Yeah. Uh, you you and I have a, a mutual friend Ray Ortland who has talked about hey plant if you're planting a church. Plant a church for the next 200 years in mind. Now, maybe Jesus returns prior to that, but think about the next. Don't yeah. think in terms of three years, five years. Yeah. So I think, yeah. number one, we have to. The other thing I've learned, especially now as I'm older and I'm seeing a new generation come up, young leaders won't stay in an organization where they're not they're not having significant heavy lifting to do. It's 100%. just they will find that spot. And so it's, it's, it's an issue of long-term depth and breadth. So number one, you got, you got you to gotta do it and then have a plan. The the intention alone is not enough. Failing to plan is planning to fail, right? Yeah. There needs to be a plan in place. Like it, it doesn't have to be rocket science either. It can yeah. be super simple. You yeah. know, it could be about hey, at, at this meeting we invite the next generation of leaders. I love it. I love you know, it. once a month, and, and we give them a view, maybe, and, and we let them speak in. They're not quite ready to make decisions, but but just having a plan. I, you know, I I see you do this here in the work that you and I do together. Oftentimes, when you and I grab lunch, you will bring along someone you're developing and leading, even if it's just, hey, listen on this conversation or let's talk about this together. So yeah. what have you learned in that? I mean, I think I, you do that well. I think that's it. I, I think it's helpful to remember that probably for most of us, we, we were at tables in meetings, had conversations because we were curious that shaped us, that were really, really valuable to us. And now as we get older, we think, well, there's not, I mean, why? Why would they be interested in that, right? Why would they be, you know, uh, we went, we grabbed some burgers last week and we right. just brought some, you know, some of the guys from the Institute down. And sure, I will think, why, why would they want to hang out with, you know, at the extreme two old guys, you know? And uh, and yet, you know, if you don't sit around and make it fundamentally about you, they will ask questions for days and they'll walk away and be shaped by that in, in ways that you were too. Uh, you've just probably have forgotten. And so you just want to give the same gift and, and I think it's honestly, I think it's a lot. It's a lot of fun. It's not. It's not very fast. Not a lot to show for it. But I think over a lifetime, people that I, that I know that have done that, they have a lot of joy in their life because they've they've just invested uh, in others. And so, yeah, uh, I'm still learning. Um, but I remember not knowing how, feeling a little 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 weird about it. But you know, the old adage, you know, you don't need to add another meeting to your calendar. Just add a man to your meeting. So, and so, just bring them, yeah. bring them with you. And so, uh, and most, not all, but most people will have. Uh, immersion as one of the the top ways that they learn. Meaning, if you can just put them in the situation and let them, you know, see it, listen to it, experience it, they they will learn. Not everybody, but a lot of people that will show up in terms of learning styles. That's going to show up pretty high. And so, just if they don't want to come, they won't come. If you invite them, <laughs> like it turns yeah. out, I'm busy. Even if they're not, uh, they'll they'll let you know. But uh, just invite people. That's part of your job. So as I'm as I'm thinking about this already, Dave, you know, we've already told these guys they need you know a five step process for their visionary leadership <laughs> they need these three things for their um, yeah, you know for their uh, the leading of their team and you know now they, and now they, they also need a disciple yeah. uh, a whole group of things so again yeah. uh, friends you're you're smart but you're looking for one or two good ideas here that you can go yeah i i probably should shore this up probably nothing is earth shattering here as much as it is a, a recovering of that which you already know it's just what what's the next wise step um you know that you, that you could take on any of these or what do i need to be preparing for if you're if you're a young leader so i'm going to switch gears one of the one of the things I saw both in myself and I saw in other friends that, that graduated seminary with me was that they didn't understand the difference between, you know, working in the church that they were at at seminary. So a lot of times they would come in and they would be some type of associate role in a church that was established and things like that. They didn't understand the difference between that uh, and starting a work yeah, or, or um, the difference between, you can say it another way, between, I remember a friend going, uh, I was really good at leveraging momentum 
operating in an organization that had momentum, I had no idea about how to create it. And so just to know that whatever context probably you've been in, if you're now going to be the point person, a point person, that's a very different role. And uh, I was not not prepared for that. I wasn't prepared to kind of create energy and momentum as well as to parachute into a new, a new place with, you know, values and history and things like that. And so we actually did podcast on how, you know, basically your first 90 days, there's books on that, but if you're going to parachute into some, some place, you're going to have to have a little bit more than some really great sermons. There's just uh, there is an art form. There, there is a learning, and so which I don't feel like I was uh, prepared for, and I watched a lot of my friends struggle. So, uh, you know, if you have any tips, that's great. We can move on, but just as much as anything, just know the category. It's very different to work in an organization than it is to start one, and it's very different to come in brand new to an organization and try to lead. It's a different skill set than than leading in a place that you're well liked, trusted, and people you you know you know them and they they know you. Those those are very different skills. So, any any thoughts? on that no, one? And I think, I think it's a really good point you made is this is not one size fits all. Everybody has a different experience as they go into whatever they're doing. But I think it's safe to say, John, most of us probably cut our teeth in organizations that were growing, that were dynamic, yes. we learned there, and then we're sent out and all those things are gone. You know, we're starting, we're starting in a different place. And so I think there's a huge difference between managing momentum and, and, you know, I think of, I've been a part of churches where they're, 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 they're multi-site and really it's the mothership of the, the multi-sites that drives everything. And so if you're out uh-huh. uh, one of the uh-huh. satellites, you're just, you're just gaining all the momentum that's built upstream and then you become autonomous. And the next thing you, you realize is, uh oh, we have to, we can't just create systems and structures for volunteers to move through. We have to go talk to volunteers. Yes. We have to recruit, we have to develop. And so <laughs> just know that there's a different skill set in that, that I think is, is, is really good to know. And then there are people that are just wired to start things. Yeah. And there are others that are more gifted in building. It's a great I point. I mean, uh, it's a great maintaining point. things. And so kind of know who you are. You know, yeah. my problem is I love starting things. And when you move from a, a startup or a church plant into an established part of it, I can drive people crazy by starting new things. Hey, let's just, <laughs> let's do this. Let's what change that. What if, what like, if, what if? Know, no, let's not. You know, let's 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 do something. Let's do the same thing for a little while. And yeah. so, you kind of got to know yourself. Here's what I think, though. I, I think a leader in the in the first whatever whatever whoever he is, whoever she is, the first thing you really want to do is establish credibility. Credibility comes in two ways. I think number one is love, loving people well. Hmm. Like people want to know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this person cares for me, mm-hmm. cares for us, loves the Lord, loves us. You know, and they're and they're and they're. They're humbly reaching out to begin with. The other way you develop credibility quickly is you, you make good decisions. Yeah. And yeah. so probably making few but wise decisions and making the, the best low-hanging fruit, best decisions you can make. Uh, people get in trouble quickly when those that you're leading feel like this person doesn't care for me or this person is is rashly changing everything and the decisions that are being made are are not really fruitful yet. And so that's, that's the way leaders get in trouble quickly. So, so good. take your time, which means make fewer decisions from the get go and the so ones good. you make, make sure they're the right ones. But while you do it, just love people. Well, I feel like you just helped someone not get fired uh, <laughs> right there. Like that, I would love to that, that. that right there. They're not going to send you a note, but I just want to say thank you on their behalf. And so, yes, if you're not starting at a new place for two months, get all the pictures you can memorize as many names as you possibly can and uh, some of your, your very first conversations are how, tell me 
Uh, tell me your story. How are you doing? All those kinds of things. And then let them know, hey, I, part of my role is I will be making decisions. I will be setting direction. I'm excited about that. But man, you guys have been doing a good work here. And I'd love to know before I before I just start coming in here and making decisions and saying we're, we're doing this, I'd love to understand uh, what makes this place great. You know, just honoring the work that, that has been done. And so take a, take a listening tour, yeah. you know, do that. And then, uh, but not to say this is the way it will always go, right. but I just don't want to start firing off emails yeah. and um, and calling meetings. And so that's really, it's really good. I didn't get that class in seminary. The other one, Dave, you and I were talking about was that you have so many different constituents in a church. And really, I think there was this overemphasis on you, preacher, the pastor in the pulpit, you know, preaching this, this sermon, an important role. Uh, and that, in that instance, like the, the whole congregation is your constituents, but you've got those above you, those are laterally, those below you, all those kinds of things. And there's different skills for each one of those. And I saw a lot of guys get into trouble because they didn't really understand that was part of the job was all of those. You have, you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I do. I do. I, and I think you have to, when you have those different levels, so let's say you're in a church structure where you're, you have an elder team that you have to lead. You have a staff you have to lead. Uh, it's small enough maybe that you, you, you're connected well to the highest level volunteers. And then there's a whole congregation. So we would say those are four or five different levels. And not only are the needs different, the relationships are all different. Mm -hmm. You can't know Mm -hmm. 200 people equally the same. And so I think you've got to prioritize your relationships. I I think you, I think you have to have a priority structure in who who is my first team, right? Who, Who really is the first team here and how do I lead that well and do that best and then figure out where the rest of the things fall into place. But, you know, I think what I probably underestimated when I started out, because I was in my mind's eye, maybe nobody else's, I was a theological expert. So I walked in the doors thinking that was going to immediately grant me credibility, <laughs> particularly across the board, but it wasn't so true leading up. I was always the, and this, this was back when I was young, John, yeah. I was always the 28 year old punk kid who may know the Bible, but doesn't doesn't even know yet how to raise a family, doesn't know how, you know, rightfully so, right? It's not unlike what Paul tells Timothy, you know, don't, 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 don't let people despise you because of your yeah. youth. Timothy's yeah. probably under 40, but be an example. And he gives them practical things that he yeah. can do about that. So I think that uh, the hardest lessons I had to learn first were what does it mean to lead upward? And I don't mean um, in an organizational chart upward sense. I mean more in an age demographic. Mm-hmm. People that are more yeah. mature than you, quite honestly, for really candid, people that are more godly than you. You, yeah. you, you you're not there because you're the godliest <laughs> guy or gal. You're there because you're you you have a job to do. You're available. <laughs> you're available. Yeah. You're willing to take the job at the yeah. pay, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, there, there's some yeah, so so understanding that different people need to be led differently. It's so good. It's yeah. so good. It, it just took me a while to it took me a while to figure. Some people are just going to blindly beautifully maybe even give you credibility day one, but others you got to work to earn it. You know, I, I know you you and I've had so a conversation good. before about what you learned when you were a young youth pastor and the way that different people saw your work and there are different people that viewed your work differently. Is that, is that Yeah, oh yeah, thing? that was that was uh when I was trying to build this credibility and, you know, um with with the different well, I'll just call them constituents, and you know what I mean by that. Those that were much older than me, what was important to them that I was working really, really hard. Yeah. And that I wasn't, you know, lazy youth pastor uh, guy playing video games, and that that I had a plan, and I was executing it, and I was diligent, and that's really what they they wanted from me. They didn't, they weren't asking anything other than for me just to be the absolute best youth pastor I can. And if and if I did, we were great. And then there were those that were much younger that were much closer to my age. And they did, of course, they cared about the, the ministry, but what they really cared about was that I cared about them yeah. and that I had a relationship with them. And so it was really interesting. I thought it took, it just took me a little bit to go, 
you you actually don't want me to to pull you out of what you're doing to go grab you know breakfast with you and just ask about your family like that's in some ways it's a hassle but if i crush you know camp or whatever then, then we're good you know <laughs> so good. so that i think i think it uh translates to all the different things that's what we were talking about when we were laughing um but i saw guys leave seminary who were really good at preaching and they didn't understand about how to communicate and work with say an elder or a presbytery or something like that and it wasn't that they weren't competent in their actual role is that they didn't understand how to lead up and and life was tough yeah really really tough and so you don't get to just say this is my job i do this i'm not very good at working up or i'm not very good at working down i'm not very good at working laterally you don't get that option and and you might not like it but there are, there are plates to spin and you actually as a leader you're going to have to spin all of those plates you might not be able to give each individual one the same amount of energy but you don't get uh, you don't get to go i just I don't do the whole elder thing yeah. uh, that well. Well, yeah. you're going to lose your job. Uh, they will lose confidence in you. And so if you don't communicate or if you surprise them or you uh, run rogue, it just won't go well with you. And so you just have to understand these different, and I'll just use them constituents, but just different different groups, you know, and how, how you how you operate than them. And if you don't, it, it really <laughs> it really will go poorly with you. And, and I think the other thing you just mentioned, Dave, I just want to tease it out just a little bit, is you don't actually have to be the best at everything in all of those rooms. That's right. And that's where... You know, uh, imposter syndrome, is, it feels like it's such an overused word, but you have that and then you get insecure and then you try to be somebody that you're not. You can still say, hey, I'm I'm really good at this thing and I'm going to continue to do that. Guys, I'm going to need your help uh, yeah. on these things here. Uh, and if you're a young, if you're a young guy, I uh, just say, I, I just, you know, there's some things I don't know. I'm, I Listen, I won't. No one's going to outwork me. No one's going to pray more. No one's going to be more prepared. But there's some things I just don't yet know. So if you guys could help me, that would I, I think it would be great for this. Like, who's going to say no to that? And you know, even here at Watermark, I remember when I was I was young, I just had some guys, and I just told them, I was like, "It's your job to give me air cover, keep me from shooting myself <laughs> in the foot." Like, how do I communicate? You know, up, down, and side, uh, and and sideways. Here's what I'm thinking. Shoot some holes in it. You know, and they were they were glad to do. That. I honored them, and they were they were glad. I didn't have to pretend that I was 65 years old, had this amazing body of work. I was I was zealous. And so th- those guys were really, really helpful to me. And they weren't, that wasn't even a formalized so board. So anyway, just, just friends know maybe you're really, really great at something, but if you have organizational responsibilities in a church, in a, uh, in a company, the old adage is never let the board get away from you. There's some people who, uh, they're, you know, their earnings are up year over year and they get fired because they let the board get away from <laughs> them, you know? And so it's the yeah. same thing happens uh, in the church. So, so let's see a couple more, Dave. One was just, we talked about organizational leadership. We talked about you know, the um, leading of, of others and teams, I would just say team dynamics is, is another one that I just, I felt a little uh, underprepared for and just something that I would have to just kind of be a student of for a long time. So just press and play on a few thoughts. One, uh, I think I've learned about myself. I'm going to always gravitate towards putting people in the room that are just like me. That's fun. However, if I have everybody around the table who looks just like me, thinks like me, then then really we're all a layer of redundancy that we just we just don't need. And so, however, I've learned this about me. If I have no one in the circle that's like me, and I, I've not read this in a leadership book anywhere, uh, I tend to go a little bit crazy. Yeah. And I feel yeah. I feel lonely, and I feel like ah, I just need someone to ideate with. I need someone to dream. I need someone to go what if. 
And so when I, whenever I can, I just want someone that, that's okay in that space. And then we need people to poke holes in it. We need people to execute it, all those kinds of things. So uh, one would be di- building a diverse team. And for me, I've learned, but not 100% uh, diverse. Two is that there's such a skill in understanding someone's personality as you understand their actions and their words. And I could go on for days and for days, but I thought so naively when someone said something that I would say, they meant what I meant. When someone reacted a certain way, they would they were reacting the way i would if i felt this thing and that is just emphatically not true it's not <laughs> true hard way and i mean oh the stories and so if you can be such a student of those that you are in a team with where you could kind of close your eyes and go this is what's important to them this is where their fears are this is where they feel valued this makes them really kind of uneasy they're uncomfortable in this situation this brings them comfort all those types of things they love adding value in this way and you understand them then when you go to you know the heat of battle and you begin to work you can really understand uh, when someone's talking you can translate in real time and you don't have to overreact to any of that and so there's just something i think we've done some episodes on that before but i would just tell you to be really good at studying people and know that probably nobody thinks just like you do and when they say what you say they don't mean what you uh, what you mean and then i think the the other thing and uh, i'd love your thoughts on team leadership dave but team dynamics is just the amount of conflict that comes in working with teams. Yes. Yeah. And it's why so many people just go, I don't, I don't want to work with others. I just want to work remote and uh, put my headphones on and just, you know, type out code or, you know, work in spreadsheets. It's so much easier. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, we can talk, we've talked about conflict before on the podcast, but I would just say if you could, you will win if you will train yourself to both think and say out loud, hey, this is actually going to be a good thing. Yes, and uh, I d- right. listen, I don't want this. I don't like this. I don't relish this. But if we get through this, you know, friend or friends, uh, we come at the other side. I actually think this is going to be a good thing. Yeah. And so right. you might not see it now, but I'm, I'm telling you, uh, we're going to understand each other. We'll probably both need to repent um, a little bit. And we're going to sharpen our ideas and sharpen each other. We're both going to be more Christ-like. Our ideas are going to be better. Our execution is going to be better. Um, so uh, why don't we both take a 24 hours, think and pray, and let's come back and we're going to talk about it. And I did, I just so naively thought, well, everybody's Christian. Like, you know, the fruits of the Spirit will just be just coming off of them and everything's going to be great. Well, it's not. Yeah. Especially if people care. Yeah. Uh, if people, right. If you have people who, who are passionate about it, you will have sparks. And I just... I. Uh, that one caught me off guard. Uh, yeah. yeah, I wasn't so, prepared for that either. Yeah. You know, I think it's not unlike when you're watching your favorite football team and there's a, all of a sudden the, the camera pans on the sideline, you got two teammates yelling at each yeah, other. Right, right. And of course, they announce, oh, look at this, the, the team's falling apart. You know, there's a real chemistry problem. And then the team just from that moment thrives. Right. You're like, oh, no, that's just teammates being teammates. And so <laughs> yeah. I think for people that aren't used to church work, they don't realize those same kind of conversations happen behind the scenes. Maybe, maybe without the profanity, hopefully. Yeah, maybe yeah. without the profanity and, and the wild gestures. But, you know, yeah, yeah, it does happen. And that's a good thing. You know, I, I learned, um, I mean, you know, my style of leadership, particularly if, if I'm in a point position on a team, is like, let's go. I learned through Ken, I won't give you his last name, but he's just a godly guy. He was on one of the first elder teams I ever led in a church plant. Ken was, let's be careful. And when you put the, my let's go leadership uh-huh. style with his, let's be careful. Right, right. And we could, we had time to think through things and talk them out. We were dynamic together. Yeah. I was dangerous without him. He wasn't dangerous, but he never would have gotten anything done. But together, <laughs> together, so we did some good things, you That's know, so and, and, and you need people like that. And then I've learned... As you look at your team, 
it does help to have a common sense, if we want to use that language and metaphor of a team, to know what the win is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if you don't define the win, everybody in ministry is going to approach it very subjectively. So if it's Sunday morning, you know, now Sunday's over, you're Monday morning, you're reviewing Sunday, how to go, what did you think? Someone may say, it was amazing. You know, I got to pray with Martha. Martha's been struggling in her marriage, and now her marriage is better. And I just, I'm so excited. Like, hey, that's yeah. great. But did you notice that we had 20% of the crowd there yesterday? And it was, it was like, what's going on? Like people yeah. are, you know, everybody's going to have a different take. And so I, I had a, I had a person on my team one time pull me aside when I was, when we were talking through a new initiative and they said to me, really helpful, say, Dave, you need to know there's at least three perspectives here. There's people who just want to know theologically, this is the right move. Like we want to know the squares of the Bible because that's mm-hmm. the way we're oriented. Mm-hmm. Okay. He said, you have other people that want to know, like the plan makes sense. Like they're very detailed minded. Like I want to know, I want to see the, I want to see the nuts and bolts and know like this is, this is reasonable, rational. This is, this is good. You know? And then you have the person that says, I just want to know we're going to love people this way. Yeah. And so yeah. anytime you speak to your team, you have those yeah. different perspectives and you need to know that what can disrupt the team quicker than, than anything is division in not direction, but assessing where you're at. Yeah. When you have a team where one person thinks it's going great and other person thinks it's going horribly, you're going to have a real problem. And so conflict helps you get there. But I think also just reminding us together, here's where we're going, here's what we're doing. Let's evaluate together. So having, you know, I think team leaders that don't do a good job are not reflective yeah. and, and, and there isn't the freedom to have good, hard feedback, constructive feedback. Hey, let's, let's really evaluate what happened and let's think things through. And so, yeah, but I, but I think there's, there's a chemistry part of it. Like you're saying, you know, it's nice not to be the only guy that's wired like you. It's, it's lonely if you are. So there's a, but there's also uh, competencies that yeah. really, the, the, the more diverse the competencies are on the team. Yes, yes, yes. The yes. better those teams are always going to be. It's good. My last thought on this one, Dave, is just that, uh, by necessity, by being on a team means you won't get your way every time. That's and uh, right. <laughs> coming out of seminary, I just thought I was going to go away, yep. pray on the mountain. Guys, we're going to do this. And everyone would go, yes. And if that's happening, it's probably something terrible is going on underneath. You don't have people who will push back against you. You don't sure. have people who are generating uh, new, better ideas or sharpening yours. And so you were going, I just, I remember going the first several times like, okay, I'm not going to do this. I think it's the right thing. But in this instance, I'm going to defer to the team. There's yeah. So uh, John Cox talks about that a lot. It's like, we, we're on a team that, which necessitates, you can't always have the ball. Uh, you might, you might want the ball every single play, but there's 11 guys in the field. You just can't, you know, it doesn't work that way. That's right. You're going to have to learn that. So, That's okay, good. Dave, so much stuff here. I'm already like overwhelmed and I'm not even on the receiving end of it yet. It just, you know, uh, if you would, someone's going, oh, I've got so much to learn. I've got so much to learn. You know, I'm deficient in so many of the things that you just said. Any words for them, you know, either from your own life yeah. or just what you've seen uh, yeah. others walk through this this idea of organizational leadership? I, I think what you need to focus in on is, is progress is good. You know, uh, it, it, perfection is elusive. It's not attainable. And so you you... you Take steps ahead, but they don't have to be huge steps. Like start doing better in, in yeah. your leadership. Learn. There's so many resources out there, John. I think I think this podcast is a good example of a resource. So many good resources out there that if organizational leadership is your deficiency, there's so many places you can go to, to learn. And then find mentors. Find people. I think of Lyle. Lyle is a dear friend of mine. Lyle was uh, an experienced businessman. He's on one of my first elder teams in the church I planted. And... Uh, I was struggling with staff, and he knew it. Yeah, I was struggling because they weren't doing the things I wanted them to do, which is always the case, right? He said, hey, Dave, and it was just management. One, he pulled me aside, and he said, hey, Dave, there's only three reasons they're not doing it. Number one is they don't know what you expect of them. And he said, let's start there. Uh, like, are you sure they know what you want from them? Because they may not. 
He said, number two is they know what you want, but they can't do it. He said, uh, and they need some development. He said, number three is they know what you want and they won't do it. He said, so you need to understand that two thirds of those problems are yours. If they don't know what you want. So good. God bless. Take, man, yeah, yeah. And, he, and he taught me that to take responsibility for things, but he also taught me that you can grow, you can expand. And so, you know, I, I would tell the person that's discouraged today, and maybe this is not your wheelhouse, which is okay. So many, so many pastors are in that space. Um, it's okay to admit you need help and, yeah. and, and you can grow. You may not be the best organizational leader ever, but you can grow and then start thinking through who do you need to help you? Yeah. You know, what, what we see in church planting so often is that the church planter oftentimes his first hire tends to be, I want a really good worship leader. I want someone that's great with youth, but what you really need is probably the, the organizational leader to come alongside yeah. you. Cause yeah. the, you know, most, most, most church planters are inspirational. They're motivational. They can get people on board, but they don't know what to do with them once they get them there. And so, so I would say that. I would say, you know, first of all, look and see where you can get help. Yeah. Number two is ask the Lord to provide you help in the form of someone who can do some of these things. You don't have to do everything forever. And so think about in a, in a very responsible That's way good. how you can begin to hand off the things that you know you're never going to be great at. In the meanwhile, seek help. And, and again, um, you know, I would tell most every leader out there, your people love you more than you realize. They're just not always good at expressing it. And so don't don't let it become uh, a point of hardness of heart towards them. They yeah. love you and they're going to give you a lot more grace than you probably realize. Yeah, so good. Well, and, you know, friends, I, th- I think if, if anything, just to think about this as a journey um, and you will get better if you, you know, if you pay attention, if you're learning, if you're humble, uh, if you're. Um, you know, scrappy, you're going to get better at all of this. And what's really fun is uh, to to be, you know, in these situations where you feel a little bit more competency. You've seen this before. That's really fun. And then as, as you get much, much older, and this is the part I'm looking forward to in leadership, is just passing that on. Yeah. It just, uh, you know, you and I could pick any one of these categories and talk for hours about all the mistakes that we've made, which are really, really helpful to those that are younger than you. They're going to go, I'm not going to make that same mistake. They're free. They're free lessons that you get to pass on. Uh, but you can't pass those lessons on unless you're just in the ring, you know, yeah. and making them. And it, uh, you're on a journey. You're, you're exactly where God wants you. But, um, but do pay attention uh, to these things and look for one or two things today that you can really, you know, kind of circle and, and really hone in on, get feedback from other people. Um, and, uh, and see if you can just shore some of these up and you will, you know, you may feel like you're deficient in hundreds of these things, uh, today and over the course of a lifetime, you will always feel deficient in some, but it will be much less, um, year after year after year. And that's, that's what's really fun to look back, uh, on your leadership journey. So, uh, friends, thank you so much just for listening. And I hope something in here was helpful, uh, today as we talked about, uh, just kind of organizational leadership. We've got four more episodes in the series. And so we'll be back with you here in a couple weeks. And as always, if you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at CLP at Watermark. That's CLP at watermark.org. We'll talk to you again next time.